0: Tennis Roadshow moves on to Madrid this week and the iconic Caja Magica, the Magic Box, host venue to the Mutua Madrid Open, the fourth ATP Masters 1000 of the year. I'm Seb Lozier and this week we hear from one of the many men playing on home soil, recent Monte Carlo finalist Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. We hear from more than one Grand Slam champion easing their way back in after recent injury timeouts. Carlos Alcaraz's coach, Juan Carlos Ferrero, the former world number one, looks back on his own glittering career. And Daniel Medvedev, still recovering from his recent hernia operation, reflects on his ascent earlier in the year to world number one. All of that to come, but first let's hear from the Mutua Madrid Open tournament director, still also playing on tour at the age of 40 years old. Feliciano Lopez has been speaking with Ursin Caderras as the tournament celebrates its 20th anniversary this year.
1: When the tournament arrived in Madrid in 2002, it was so nice that people from Madrid were waiting for, you know, a nice tennis tournament, a professional tournament like, like this one, because they, we haven't had tennis for so long. We used to have a Grand Prix, they used to call it Grand Prix uh, in the old days, and uh, I think for f- nearly 15 years uh, we didn't have any Professional tennis tournament in Madrid. So the people were really waiting, you know, um, the opportunity to witness, you know, and to see uh, the best players in the world. And uh, 2002 was uh, an amazing event. Uh, I remember that I was uh, invited to play. Manolo Santana offered me a wildcard. I was a I was a kid. I was 19 or 18 or 19 years old. I don't even remember what age. And so he invited me and uh, I ended up winning two matches and playing Andre Agassi, which at that time was one of my idols, uh, as you can imagine. And so I played that match, I played great, I pushed Andre to the limit and uh, finally I lost the match 7-5 in the third, if, I, if I'm not wrong, and then he ended up winning the tournament. Um, and it was also a weird, weird finals because Jiri uh, Novak pulled out so Andre was the champion of the tournament without playing the finals. And then we had to, they had to do an exhibition match for the crowds because everybody was there, you know, waiting for the finals. And that was the first year. And since then, this tournament has been, you know, getting better and better, improving in so many ways. And uh, there was also another thing that I'd like to point out that was the, this facility that where, where we are now, the, the Caja Magica, this was built when uh, Madrid was uh, willing to have the Olympic Games. Two times we lost, so this facility, this, this whole venue was built for that. And so Tyria came up with this idea, why, why don't we go there and we have a combined event, men and women, and that was also a huge you know, improvement and a huge change, and uh, yeah, it, like taking, taking the tournament to another level. And and then since since we since we are here, also the same thing. We we are very keen to to keep you know improving every year, to welcome the players, to to get better and better every year. This is the goal, and, and this is what we are trying to do every every single year.
2: And now it's one of the biggest tournaments in the world. Did you ever think you become what it is today?
1: No, it's impossible to know. I mean, uh, there's a lot of things that they you know they happen in life that you. You will never expect and this is one of them, you know, first of all, when the tournament arrived in Madrid, nobody knew, but it was a great opportunity. Manolo did a great job. Um, He was talking to the major of the city at that time, trying to explain that that it was a great opportunity for the city, you know, to be to be well well known internationally, to have a good a good name around the world and and they and they they accepted and they were you know supporting us since 2002 till now mm-hmm. so it's 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 really nice when you have a great support from the city and uh and and so yeah this is basically what happened no Manolo was the one pushing to have the event here and uh since that moment we've been growing and growing until now and uh, but honestly Nobody expected that we can have such a great event like this one in Madrid in 2022, because that tournament was an, was was great, was but it's a completely different thing than, than than what we have here now.
2: So this tournament is really close to your heart, then. Uh, if you, if you, we listen to your story and how you first played here, it's a, and yeah. played 15 times over the years.
1: I have a lot of memories uh, from this tournament. Of course, that match that I mentioned before against Andre, even though I lost the match, I I realized that I I could become a professional player and and, and that I was going to be able to, to challenge and to play against the best players in the world. And that was very important for me at that time because I was a kid. Of course, I had a lot of potential, but I proved myself there playing against Andre Agassi, one of the best players in the history. And at that time, he was probably number two or three in the world. And uh, it was so important for me that I, that I can prove myself and, uh, and, and that I realized that I, uh, I, I will eventually become a great tennis player. And then I had many other memories, the match here against Roger. I have 5-2 in the tiebreaker in the third, ended up losing that match. That was very painful, I have to say. I think it would have been a different story if I, if I win that smash, if I don't hit the stupid you know, mistake.
2: You would have had four match points.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But uh, yeah, it was very painful um, uh, though. I, I mean, winning Roger Federer in this score, you know, for me, it would have been probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, but you know, you have to accept this is tennis. It happens actually happened many times during mm. my career, so, but this is probably the one that hurts the most.
2: Has it haunted you for, for the years after, after no, that?
1: No, really. Not, really. not really, not really. I mean, we're used to that. Um, as a tennis player, you have to, you have to know that winning and, and losing is part of your life. And uh, actually every week there's uh, a lot of guys losing and only, only one guy holding the trophy on Sunday. So this is part of our life. But yeah, the atmosphere here was great every time I played. um, I I wasn't born here, but a lot of people consider myself born and raised here in Madrid, even though I was born in Toledo, which is another city um, 45 minutes away only. It's 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 not doesn't belong to the region of Madrid. But uh, most of the people, they they consider me as a, you know, Madrid citizen and uh, they gave me a lot of support and love during during the during every year I played.
2: What would you say were some of the milestones of this tournament over the last 20 years?
1: It's tough to say. I think coming here, moving the tournament here to La Caja Mágica, this is something that uh, that that was probably the the most important thing or or, or something that gave us. Um, putting putting the event in in the next level. Uh, Having also three stadiums with the roof, this is something, you know, amazing because, for example, yesterday we had a thunderstorm, we have the rain and then we have we have been able to continue playing in three courts, which is uh, so helpful sometimes when the rain comes. Uh, There's not many venues in the world like, uh, like this, only Australian Open is the only one with uh, three stadiums, also with the roof, so you have to be very grateful for that. I think, yeah. And then, as, as, as you as you all know now, IMG bought the tournament, and they they're really uh, very keen to to help us grow in any way that they can they can help. So this is also a great support, you know, for the tournament after 20 years here to have such a great company with uh, a lot of you know expertise and uh, so i think we can be we are one of the best tournaments in the world but the goal is to keep improving and to and to be the number one tournament in the world one day
2: yeah you that's your goal you want to be the number one this is yeah of course we are a master
1: thousand i think we are probably the the best thousand i i think in my opinion because so of so many things that I've told you before, the the three stadiums with the roof, the big, the big facility that we have. There's not many, you know, venues in the world that they can host such a big event like this one with men and women and everything. You know, there's a lot of things going on here during the week. Also, it's not only about tennis. Um, this is a very unique event where we want the people to to spend the whole day here with the families uh, or, or with friends and 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 to to, to give them the chance to have a, uh, a wonderful day of tennis and other things that they can have here. You know, we have a great food. We have a lot of things that they can do uh, in, the, in the fan zone upstairs. So this is not only about tennis. Tennis is the main thing, but we, we are a very unique tournament and, and, and place where you can spend the whole day here doing other things other than tennis. And this is also something that we are very proud of.
2: You said IMG was recently announced as the new owner. What are their plans and what are your plans? How, how's this story gonna continue?
1: I think I think they they bought the tournament because they know that we are a very unique event and they they just they're just gonna try help us grow in any way possible. This is this is the goal and, and we are very keen to 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 do it, and I think it's a great partnership. Honestly, uh, they have a lot of you know knowledge and expertise in in, in the tennis industry because uh, they have other tournaments. They've been in, in the tennis industry for so long, and uh, um, I think there's there's no better partner than than them. And I'm sure they're going to help us grow in any way. So yeah, very look very looking forward for this new partnership.
2: There's rumors that there'll be a new stadium.
1: Yes. Hopefully, the plan was approved by the city, and uh, yeah, the plan is to start building the new stadium probably next year. So how big? Yeah, so probably for 2025, we everything is gonna be finished. Uh, we're thinking about eight, eight to eight thousand, eight to ten thousand capacity, which is which is a great stadium. Uh, this one is eleven eleven and 500, 500 capacity so we'll have another big stadium so we we can have some great matches there we have an our second core now which is the Arancha sanchez is three thousand five hundred and to be honest in the master thousand you have first and second rounds that can be semi-finals or finals in any other event in the world and sometimes we have people waiting trying to get in, in in those courts and they don't have a chance so with the new stadium we we, we will give the fans an, another you know another chance to watch some great matches and we can have we can have a nice session also on the other court. so will be i think this new stadium will take this tournament to you know another level
2: You've been the tournament director since 2019. Why did you think it was an exciting opportunity? And and did it turn out to be what you thought it would be?
1: It came out uh, naturally talking to Gerard, to my boss, to to John, to the the guys in the staff. Um, I had, I mean, I built a great relationship with them because I was playing since the first year. And, uh, you know, I was I was still an active player. I was playing, you know, great and uh, I was, I was not thinking about retirement at all. But I thought it was a great opportunity for me. You know, uh, as a tennis player, you you don't have time to do other things. You know, you only focus in in everything that you have to do in order to to be ready and to be prepared for, to compete. And uh, and but you know, I think the, the, that opportunity came in the right time. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, yeah, I think this this is not gonna happen again. I have to take it. That that was my my thought when they came and, and said Pelly, we were thinking that you might be a tournament director. Even if you're still an active player, I think you can do a great job because you know you know all the players and uh, you know we we as I mean the tennis players is I know we're tough. <laughs> I know it can be tough, you know, to deal with us, you know, sometimes. So this With is yourself
2: hard. as well. Are you a difficult one as a player?
1: <laughs> I'm not the most difficult one, but all of us we are we are difficult in a way because uh, it's a, it's an individual sport where sometimes you tend to be a little bit selfish sometimes, and it's very impressive when when and um, surprising uh, when you go and work on the other side and 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 you can witness you know so many things that you you don't know and you did did not experience before as a player. For example, there's a lot of effort, you know, behind this uh, event. This is a one-year work, so we are already working for next year event with the team, with the staff, and uh, as a player, uh, I don't want to blame, you know, anyone. I don't want to say something bad about players, but I'm also a player and I know how, how we are and how we think. Of course, you don't have to think about, you know, some, you know, specific, specific things in, and that, that you don't have to pay attention because you, you have to rest, you have to practice, um, you have, you do your own thing. But there's a lot of things, you know, going on behind the scenes that you don't know as a player and, and also give you a different perspective because you realize how difficult it is to deliver mm-hmm. these, these kind of events. And uh, and then you become a little bit more grateful for, for everything that the people, including myself here or any other tournament in the world, they do for us.
2: And just one last question. What's the most fun thing about being a tournament director?
1: <laughs> the most fun thing about being a tournament director?
2: Ah, Is it fun at all? <laughs>
1: uh, there's not many fun things eh, that I can mention. Uh <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah maybe presenting the trophy to the winners this is something fun and something that you feel honored sometimes and, uh, and uh, what else maybe de- dealing with the players and the agents and all the you know requests and, and so that's really the, the toughest thing for me to handle
2: well best of luck with In, the tournament this okay, year. thank you so much for your time thank you
0: It's been a good couple of weeks for Spanish youngster Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. A quarter-finalist this week in Estoril, where he lost to the eventual finalist Francis Tiafoe, followed on from his first ever tour final in Monte Carlo, where he beat world number one Novak Djokovic, David Goffin, Taylor Fritz and Grigor Dimitrov before losing narrowly to the defending champion Stefanos Tsitsipas in the final. He was still catching breath from it all when he spoke with Lee Goodall in Estoril No I am still recovering from the uh, from from the war because
3: you know against Nole I I think I died like more than 10 times against Fritz again then I am still recovering I, I had to you know uh, after the final my body went down like no battery and we decided with my team to to go to rest at home because you know My body was like, okay, you need to recover a little bit from this week with all the emotions, all the tension. And, you know, after the final, I I had two days off uh, no racket, no fitness, no nothing, just to assimilate the week because it was like tough, you know, Uh, uh, great matches, uh, my first final uh, beating the number one was like a lot of things to assimilate. And is uh, and after two days resting, I uh, just started practicing again, and you know, feeling better.
4: What does it mean to you to have such a week like that? As you say, there were so many things: beating the world number one, beating Djokovic, who I know you've admired as as a youngster. You practiced with him in in southern Spain. A first fine, first semi-final, Masters 1000, first final at tour level. There were so many different things.
3: Yeah, you know, I was, like, practicing for that moment, you know. Uh, The beginning of this season was tough. I had a lot of matches that I had under control and they escaped. But, you know, just to keep practicing, keep pushing myself to to let's see what is my limit. And, you know, I don't think that I show what is my limit yet then. I want to, to know more about me, what I have inside and just to, to play every match, to, to just enjoy every match and you know to be with my team more and more time on court.
4: I want to ask you about your coach as well because it's quite unusual for a player to have a coach for so long. I think you were nine or 10 years old. 11, you, 11 years old when you, <laughs> when you first started. Tell us about the beginning. How did you meet and where did you meet and how did that relationship grow?
3: Well, um, we met like when I was 10, 10 years old, 11. And my mom, well, my father's get divorced and and we have to move to another city, to Fongirola, where I am right now. And there were Jorge that we knew each other from the other tournaments, you know and my man liked how jorge was training to the other kids and you know we start with him in the first tournament we did final and the second tournament i won the championship of spain then we were like okay just continue and let's see what, what happens and of course he believes on me a lot and he knew that i have a lot of potential then we keep we keep together to all the tournaments. We have the psychologists too, like 11 years old, 11 years too. Then we were like, okay, just keep going. Doesn't matter the other things. We are like family, you know, it's, it's not my coach. It's like my, my second father. Then it's like everything in family
4: and we saw how emotional it was for him after you beat Novak Djokovic I think there were some <laughs> tears of joy yes. um, a special week for him i mean it's it's a long long journey isn't it you go over so many highs and lows
3: yeah yeah uh, after beating nole was uh, we, we had a lot of emotions you know because when i play against nole he always beat beat me like one and two one and two it was every time easy. And, you know, uh, after that match that we were struggling a little bit from the beginning of the season, winning that match on the center court of Monte Carlo was like, wow. And after that, it was not easy to manage those emotions because, you know, you you don't win every day the number one. Then it it was not too, too hard to to manage that because my coach know me like a son. Then he know how to manage me, and you know, we were like, okay, th- th- here doesn't doesn't happen anything. You know, just continue to play, to enjoy, and that's it.
4: What are the expectations now? And after Monte Carlo, does it change your feeling when you come to a tournament? Now Is the confidence bigger.
3: Yeah, now I believe more in me. I I believe now that I can win every tournament. Then uh, my confidence now it's so high. Then but doesn't matter because we, we we keep practicing as normal, you know, to see what what are my limits because like I said before, we didn't, we don't know. Then we will see what happens this week.
4: You're listening to the
0: ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Podcast. Roger Federer confirmed this week that he will play in Basel later in the year and also at the Lever Cup in September at the 0-2. Still on the road to recovery following knee surgery, the Swiss superstar is not in Madrid, but two other members of the big three are. Novak Djokovic, the world number one, starts as the top seed and Rafael Nadal takes his place in the draw after recovering from a stress fracture to his ribs in Indian Wells.
5: Well, happy to be back. Uh, this city is so special for me, and uh, the crowd have been uh, just <laughs> uh, amazing during all my tennis career here. You know, and they show me always the the love and uh, the support, uh, even uh, in a in a completely different way than the, than the rest of the world. So, for me, play here is always a a huge thing. So, uh, enjoying the fact that I'm back, knowing that the situation is not perfect for me after. A, uh, one month and a half uh, with uh, with the stress fracture on the on the on the rib. That's painful and that uh, didn't allow me to practice at all for for a while. So uh, in terms of preparation, uh, it's not the ideal thing. But I am here just to try my best. That's it, and try to be improving every single day.
2: How frustrating has it been to having to come back from yet another injury?
5: <laughs> it's tiring, you know. It <laughs> happened too many times in my life, and uh, it, of course it's. It's it's not easy, no, and uh, it's not easy to accept uh, every single time the challenge. But in that case, I have experience on that. So just uh, no time uh, to complain much, no. Uh, just time to to keep going, to stay positive, and to try to to find positive things to to be better and better every day.
2: With your experience, how many matches do you need to get back into it?
5: Oh, you never know. That's none no mathematics on that. No, every single time is different, but. Uh, Victories help and uh, spend time on court too, so uh, of course I am better today than a couple of days ago and then you need to play matches and uh, of course it's not ideal to start in a Master 1000 here in Madrid that has the altitude and uh, the draw that is is very difficult for me, but uh, uh, just try to to accept the the process, the challenge and uh, the only thing that I can do is play with the right attitude and try my best.
2: Your first match here last year was Carlos Alcaraz. He was then the world number 120. He's now in the top 10 and he said afterwards that it was an important match for him because he, you know, he learned so much from that match. How do you see that, you know, a young player that plays you, um what can they take out of it?
5: Well, I think uh <laughs> he don't has to he he doesn't have to look at me anymore now. He's uh a star already, and uh, he's doing amazing things. So yeah, uh, happy like a, uh, a Spanish colleague, uh, and happy about uh, being a fan of uh, of the sport that we're gonna have an amazing player for such a long time.
2: When you look at his attitude, how would you compare that to when he played here a year ago?
5: If you come. I mean, his attitude comparing with me or, or no? His
2: attitude on court, you know how he how he. Well, carries he, himself. he's young,
5: and when when you are young and when you are very good, the 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 process is uh, faster than than the than the normal people. No, so he's not a normal guy. Uh, like Novak was not a normal guy. Like Roger was not a normal guy. That probably me was not a normal guy, or Sasha, or these kind of guys that have the 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 level uh, at very young age. So then make the transition to to the very highest level very quick. No? And that's what that's what he did. And he's already there like uh, one of the big favorites to achieve every single tournament that he's playing. Mm-hmm.
2: It's almost 20 years to the day since you played your first mm. ATP tournament. I don't remember anything I did 20 years ago, but do you remember well, you know that tournament, the first tournament that you played. Well,
5: yeah, because I was not professional in that that moment. Uh, uh, I I played in Mallorca against Ram, against Ramon Delgado and it was a big surprise for me, of course, and for everyone to to win that that match. No, but uh, yeah, been a first experience on a on a professional event, uh, I enjoy it. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't consider myself that I was professional. Uh, uh, in that moment, I consider myself that I was professional at the beginning of two thousand three.
2: Did you? So you were fifteen then. Did you ever think you'd go on and win a th- over a thousand matches on the tour?
5: Uh, you can think when you are fifteen or something. I think you, you are not able to to think much about all this stuff. Not just follow the the day by day and uh, th- don't dream that high. No, just uh, dream about. Uh, uh, become a professional tennis player. Just uh, do the 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 right things to to try to win ATP points to in, to improve your ranking and uh, to have the chance to 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 be on the tour. No, that that's all, and that's what I I was dreaming about in that in that moment at all.
2: So the fans here were asked what is their favorite match at the Madrid Open in the last twenty years, and the number one pick was the 2009 semifinal. Nadal, Djokovic. Um, is it one of your favorite matches as well? Not
5: at all in that case. have been very emotional but I was not playing well uh, that, that, that year. No, I, I had uh, too many problems with knee and uh, some personal issues. So uh, I, I don't have a good memories of uh, 2009 at all in general. Uh, so uh, oh, I don't know. I, I enjoyed uh, different matches here much more than than this one, that I, even like this, I understand that that match was emotional, the way that uh, the match finished. But I, I have much better me- memories than this one.
2: <laughs> so, what's the one you pick?
5: I don't know. I played a lot of matches here. Have been a lot of years playing. But uh, if I have to pick one match in Madrid, it was 2005 final against Lubitschik, even if I, even if it was in indoor hard. Yeah.
0: Rafael Nadal speaking with Uršin Caderas. Another man who's had a stop-start 2022 is Dominic Thiem, who spent a large part of last year on the sidelines with a wrist injury. The Austrian Grand Slam winner had been hoping to return well before the clay court swing. So, is he now fully fit? Lee Goodall asked the question.
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I lost the drag of coming back, but that was... Um, in in, Fre- in February when I wanted to come back in, in South America. Uh, the wrist would have been ready but um, obviously I changed a little bit the technique of my forehand. Uh, unknown um, because I still had little issues and then the, the hand was a problem, the hand was really painful uh, so I just couldn't play in South America and uh, then I decided that Indian Wells in Miami would would be too early as well, and to, to start on the clay, and everything was back on track. Um, I was practicing well before Mabea, and uh, the match there was was decent for for a first match. And then I got the COVID. Um, luckily, it was was not too hard. And um, since the COVID is gone, I think I'm I'm back on the right track, uh, practicing just a few days for Belgrade, and there playing actually a good match against uh, John Millman um, losing in, in three sets. I was really happy with, with that set win uh, as the expectations are still very, very low. And uh, also since then it's uh, coming here and uh, it's super important for me. Now the last uh, weeks that I have day in, day out practice with any without any physical issues. And uh, that's the way and that's why everything is uh, Back on track, I would say.
4: Are you playing pain-free in terms of the the initial injury, and and and, and how do you assess after, say, the Milman match? How do you assess where you are physically, where the game is, and what you need to work on week to week? I'm pain-free yeah, in, in in all the body now,
6: which is which is very nice. And uh, the the millman match was was good because it was a great fight. It was two hours, uh, thirty-three without any physical issues i mean in covid terms uh, that was good to know and uh, also the the wrist was perfectly fine after Uh, obviously game wise there were many many things which were not perfect but uh, that was exactly what what i expected and uh, that's what i have to practice every day and uh, in practice it's it's going pretty well but matches obviously something very different Uh, you're way more nervous and tight and uh, with all all the moving around and uh, I lost all this, I've been away for 10 months, all the anticipation, the reaction time, I have to get it back
4: and uh, that's what I'm trying right now. And does that just come with playing matches? Do you have a, a time span? Do you sit down with your team and say, in six weeks or three months, I'll be back to 100% that's the only way to, to play matches and
6: uh, also to to be able to practice, stay in the out without any issues. And uh, that's what I'm able to do since a few weeks, which is which is great. And uh, the, the the plan, of course, we, we made a plan. Um, now these tournaments are are just to get back to 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 practice with the top guys to play matches. Uh, Every win is a big, big bonus, um, I'm not expecting too many, to be honest. And uh, the first short-term goal is to, to be in a good shape in, in French Open. I'm not going to be seated there, so hopefully or maybe I can win a match or, or something there and uh, be able to, to maybe be in a good match with the top guy, that would be great. But uh, to expect big things, um, I think it's going to take longer, uh, grass anyway, was never my, my favourite surface, so I'm looking ahead to the second half of the season to, to make bigger
4: things there. Do you feel all the problems are behind you? Do you feel like that's history now?
6: Yes, uh, all the problems are behind me, it uh, was, a, was a tough way back, um, it's obviously a tough injury especially with my kind of forehand that I used The wrist, so much it needs to be perfectly fine Um, that's the way now and uh, still it needs many many hours more my forehand uh, my wrist that it gets as fast and as uh, powerful as it was before Um, but that's what I'm working for and uh, the good thing is that that I can work for it because I have no no pain no issues so now it's the way to to get my old forehand back.
0: Another player watching the action in Madrid from afar is Daniel Medvedev. He's still recovering from a hernia operation, but has been speaking with ATP Uncovered about one major career milestone ticked off the list. I'm Daniel Medvedev, and this is my journey to world number one.
4: will take over as the new world number one on Monday
7: to be honest when I just uh, started on professional tour, I couldn't think that I would achieve uh, what I've done but uh, yeah, I always had some self-belief that you know I can I can be a good player if I try to do my best all the time and when you are 18, that's what sometimes you miss, uh, and I tried to work on this part of me, and uh, later on in my career, uh, it turned out to, to be a good thing. Yeah, I remember 2017, my first uh, actual year on ATP Tour, where I got in a lot of main draws, and a lot of main draws in Masters series. It was not an easy year. I think first year on the tour is, is not easy for anybody, you know, because uh, you're coming up, you're coming up. But at one moment, everybody starts to know a little bit how you play, what to do against you. And yeah, there were some up and downs. Uh, and I remember I was really happy to get in next-gen ATP finals because it's, what, it's really close from, from where I live. And I really wanted to you know that it was my last year I could make it. And I was uh, yeah really trying to get there. But uh, I played a few good matches there and lost to to the winner in uh, five sets, so uh, I think that gave me a lot of uh, confidence boost uh, for next year.
0: Your first ever ATP Tour title.
7: My second and third title were really important for me, Winston Salem and uh, Tokyo. Tokyo was the ATP 500. Uh, With this win coming from Qualis, I managed to to get in the top 20, if I'm not mistaken, or something really close. So when you achieve this ranking, that's when you know that everything is possible. You just need to continue playing good and winning this kind of tournament.
0: Daniel does it in Tokyo. Medvedev wins his biggest title of his career, becomes the first qualifier ever to win in this city.
7: And, of course, uh, the summer of 2019 was, uh, was special with uh, same. I came uh, out from a Wimbledon third round loss in five sets, leading the break in the fifths. No, uh, you feel like uh, tennis is tough at this moment. And then I managed to make uh, six finals in a row, winning two Masters and being in the final of a slam in a crazy match against Rafa. And that's, uh, again, when I thought uh, everything is possible.
4: Quite remarkable 2019, particularly during the summer in North America.
0: It's eight matches in a row, it's 16 sets in a row, it's six finals
4: in a row. Working with ruthless efficiency once more. A new name added to the trophy here in Shanghai. And now in London. Making a bit of a habit of walking out into a final. On the doorstep of glory. Daniel Medvedev is the NITO ATP Finals champion, the ninth and biggest title of the Russian's career.
7: Yeah, when people start to talk about this, you start to think also, well, it can be possible, but I knew that you need to win big tournaments for this. And yeah, winning the US Open title, final in Bercy, final in uh, Turin even if you want to win these kind of tournaments, but that's a lot of points. Final of Australian Open, again, the more points you can gain every tournament, the more chances you have to, to, to become a number one.
4: Well, he is the man with the hot hand, and if you don't know his name, you have truly not been paying attention. He is Daniil. Sergeyevich, Medvedev, no one has won more matches or appeared in more finals this year.
7: Yeah, I think I really started to, to hear about it when uh, we knew that Novak is for sure not playing in the Australian Open. I actually thought because everybody was telling me this, that if I win the Australian Open, I'm going to become number one. And only after the final, uh, I watched the rankings, I was like, oh I'm, uh, I was like still a thousand points ahead, so even the final would not help me. I was like, wow, people uh, can, uh, can talk uh, lies sometimes, but uh, it's still, I mean, uh, by reaching the Australian Open final, I knew that I'm getting closer and closer.
4: There aren't too many guys playing better tennis than Medvedev at the moment.
7: No, I remember very well in Acapulco it was like, let's say, 12 o'clock and Novak was playing and I thought that he's struggling, you know, uh, Jiri won the first set and then uh, because when you watch it on Tennis TV there is like a 1 minute 30 seconds lag and I saw that uh, like when it was 6-4 on tiebreak for Jiri and 6-3, uh, Tennis TV tagged me in a story. I was like strange because I actually, I actually thought I would need to win Acapulco or something like this to become a number one. And so I saw uh, that you won and I went on Instagram and I saw that I, uh, I'm actually the number one. First of all, you try to remember when you were a kid and you dream of these moments. Uh, you, you don't think it's possible. I mean, when you are 10 years old, Yes, we know there are some players, there are some videos that are saying uh, I'm going to be the number one in the world. Well, that was not me. I didn't think when I was 10 years old that this is possible. I was just, uh, you know, uh, playing tennis for fun and uh, not at all thinking of winning slams or something like this.
0: Next-gen ATP finals. Well, it's been a Medvedev masterclass and a new king will be crowned. He looks simply unbeatable at the moment future. World number one. This means the
3: world to Daniel Medvedev.
7: Reaching the number one spot is everything. It's a relief. Uh, sometimes you can, in a way, get less motivation because you're like, well, I've already reached it. Why would I try? But at the same time, uh, for me, it gives me more motivation because, uh, yeah, I wanna, uh, if I lose it, I want to try to regain it. If I'm still there, well, I want to try to win as many points as possible to try to defend this title. It's definitely pressure. But at the same time, I like pressure, so uh, I'm really happy
0: about it. Daniel Medvedev scaling new heights this year. But nobody has made a bigger leap up inside the world's top 50 than Carlos Alcaraz. The Spaniard only turns 19 this coming Thursday and looks destined for great things, with three titles already in 2022 in Rio, Barcelona and Miami, his first Masters title. In his corner, as coach and mentor, he has Juan Carlos Ferrero. And Alcaraz has said this week that he loves hearing about Ferrero's own journey, as our reporter Jill Krabus did when she sat down with the former world number
8: one. I think I had a, an amazing career, more than maybe a dream at the beginning, uh, and of course. Um, you know when I, when i started my career uh, i was always uh, wanted to be a a very good tennis player and a big uh, professional because in spain we had uh, a very good examples of uh, of players uh, that uh, they've been doing uh, very well and of course, uh, for me, it was a pleasure to be one of the, you know, the better ones in Spain. So, of course, when you finish your career, you're giving maybe giving more importance to what uh, you've been doing during the whole career. And uh, after winning a uh, Grand Slam and uh, Davis Cup champion, uh, for former uh, world number one is one of the things that uh, maybe I, d- I dreamed in at the beginning, and uh, finally I couldn't achieve. So it's some amazing.
9: So uh, when you were when you were in the middle of your career, who exactly did you feel like had a good, amazing impact on you for you to have that dream of becoming a professional tennis player? Well,
7: my
8: family and also my my coach uh, is you know uh, I think that that persons so on my career were uh, very important to me to to made, um, to made my dream uh, come true because at the beginning always the things uh, comes very difficult also my mom passed away when I was uh, 16 years old and uh, everything uh, get even more hard to, to you know to get uh, success and uh, what what I've been doing but uh, definitely my family and uh, also my coach uh, were the, the ones uh, they they been there uh, supporting me all the time
9: now you have. A family of your own a wife wow. and a daughter and a son congratulations Thank you. Um, how has that changed your perspective I would say being a father and being around kids as far as how you view life differently or how it changed your perspective is in sport
8: In sport in sport not too much because they were young and but of course about living every day with them it's it's quite different uh, everything uh, gets, uh, you know, more tight all the time and uh, but of course I'm very proud of the family that I have. I have three kids already.
9: Oh, three kids, three okay. kids. Yeah, okay. One more? One one more. more. <laughs> so, congratulations, yeah, You're right, you, early congratulations. So now, yeah. now
8: I have a girl and uh, two boys.
9: Okay.
8: So yeah, of course uh, I wanted, always I wanted to have a family and uh, after I retired I you, know, I, you know, I planned a little bit, uh, I wanted to do it and uh, you know with my wife and everything and uh, we get married and uh, kids and uh, stay at the academy like uh, for five years not traveling uh, mm. nothing and uh, I, I was only working there and uh, you know uh, directing some of the kids to you know uh, give uh, my experience on, on the tour and uh, how they can improve on the court um, and after that i you know, I decided to, to travel a little bit more because, you know, I, I felt that I needed a little bit and, uh, you know, now I'm in, in this uh, situation that I'm now with Alcoraz, so, so such is nice.
9: Why, why did you feel like you needed a little bit to travel?
8: You no, know, I I felt that uh, I was traveling uh, most of the time in my life and uh, I don't know. I don't know how, but I felt that I needed to travel a little bit and stay uh, again close to the players and uh, see how the thing is going out there because I was like you know out of the competition just just stay at at the academy and then and nothing more and uh, and that moment I I felt it
9: and the academy is very true to your heart because you were there from a very young age I believe correct and then just continue yeah when you were 10 and stayed there and now are pretty much running the academy just talk about your academy and how important was that for you from a transition from a player to a a coaching yeah
8: very important Uh, i think uh for tennis player when he someone is retired uh, it's you know it comes some empty situation in your life that uh, you need to at the end uh, fill it up so uh having the academy and uh you know uh, staying busy most of the time that i wanted when when i i was not with the family or doing some hobbies that i had uh, it was very important to you know to have the court to have uh, you know as a director of the academy. Uh, it was nice to you know to to, to get busy as I, as I said and uh, because I know some players that uh, when they retired, it's some you know some of the frustration that that, that they have and uh, it's you know it's, for me it's, it was very important.
9: Do you do you mind if I ask if you talk about that emptiness feeling that you had as I as mean, far as retiring? Uh, because a lot of people struggle with that, I know, as you said. I,
8: know. I, I, I cannot tell you much about that because, you know, when I, when I retired, I, you know, I had planned what I wanted to do, you know, rest a little bit and then started the academy as a director. So, uh, of course, uh, I talked to some of the players about uh, this empty, empty hole that uh, maybe they get into it, but... Uh, In my case, uh, my example, I I cannot say too much about that because, you know, I had something to do.
9: Is that something that you say you would address a little bit at your academy now with maybe players that are coming up or is it something that you talk about, that mentality of making sure you have something to connect with throughout their career?
8: It could be, it could be. You could could say that. It's, uh, you know... uh, in, some, in somehow, uh, you need to talk about it. Uh, you need to 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 say how, how you feel about it. And uh, and, and at the end, uh, I think it's very important to to make a decision in uh, what you want to do. And uh, in that at that point, I uh, I had lucky because I, I had it very close from from me, and uh, I could do it very very easy to to you know to accept the situation and then go and go for it.
9: And just a little bit more, like expand, if you don't mind, a little bit more about your academy. I know um, you have places that, you, that the players can stay, a yes. lot of players coming residency. in and out. Yeah, yeah, we have res- yeah. what, what else does that, that does your academy offer as far as... Also
8: a school, an okay. international school that they can study over there, and uh, we have also 20, 21 courts, uh, one, one indoor court, and uh, 10 uh, uh, clay, and uh, 10 hard courts, and uh, residency for uh, almost... There are like 70 to 80 people living the whole year over there as, as, a, as a annual uh, players. And then uh, we have also a very hard uh, or strong uh, summer state that uh, we maybe have like uh, 400 to 500 people uh, during the whole summer state. So uh, for us, it's very important. And um, that's it. <laughs> <laughs>
9: it's a lot. Well, I mean, I was reading about it. It's a it's a huge success. I know you also have a foundation. Yes, that you that you so. talk. Yeah, can yeah, you just yeah. t- little give I us a little bit uh, of idea. My,
8: my mind passed away about the cancer, and uh, yeah. and uh, you know I I found that I need to to make uh, something to you know to help people to go through it, and uh, you know I yeah I create a foundation to try to to help uh, some of the people that uh, they don't have much to fight against. Uh, uh, this, uh, this sake, and uh, you know, what I think is very important to for me to have it.
9: And then earlier in the beginning of the interview, you talked about just going back to your tennis career. You you mentioned being number one, Roland Garros champ, and also Davis Cup. Yes. Just the difference between, I guess the the nerves and the ta- uh, the pressure from Davis Cup on a team for your mm-hmm. country mm-hmm. compared to maybe being more individual when you're going for that title. Is there a difference for you?
8: Yeah, it's, I think it's much more in Davis Cup uh, because I'm you feel that uh, you're playing for your country and uh, you feel that a lot of people is in, in your back in that moment when uh, most of the time when you're playing at home in Spain, uh, you can... You can feel the, the the people cheering for you all the time, and uh, all the all the strong support that, that you have. And at the beginning, uh, most of the time, the first time that you play, like uh, when I was when I was 20, I play for the first time, and uh, you know that year it helps me a lot. You know to get more experience on uh, on this kind of uh, very difficult matches when the, you have to go go there alone. You know uh, seeing the 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 court uh, full of people that uh, they wanted you to win and uh, sometimes it's very difficult to handle to handle this, uh, but I felt that uh, I was born to, to play in this, in this kind of situation because I like it and I felt it very well and I felt that I could play my, my real tennis in, in that situation.
9: That's amazing because a lot of people actually struggle with know, those extra pressure know, and nerves. So as a coach now, do you feel like that's something that can be taught to be able to deal with those uh, expectations?
8: I think you have to born a little bit with that. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to teach because you can talk uh, a lot of time about this, but uh, I think someone uh, has to has it inside and uh, because at the end you have to go alone to the court and uh, you have to go through these nerves that you have in in difficult uh, moments on on the match and uh, so it's something that uh, you have to have it for
9: sure. As far as your experience obviously playing on the tour with Nadal, Federer, Djokovic, what most impressed you I feel like when you you were around them? um, What stood out to you the most?
8: I don't know. It's tough to say because I was there trying to, you know, to find the tactic to play against them, and uh, sometimes I beat them. So uh, with Rafa was his strength on the court. You can you can feel you know when he's on a move all all the time. What you know that, that the ball comes to you like very heavy, and uh, it's the, the the intensity of every point that uh, he's playing. Uh, Roger, of course, his, his talent—you, uh, you, you, you felt that uh, he can—he can do anything in any moment that he wants—and uh, and also Novak, uh, for me, maybe the, the 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 full the one that uh, is gonna achieve more titles in the future. But impress everything, I think that they, they were so good, and uh, of course that they they won most of the matches that, that they've been playing so that was, that's very impressive that it's very difficult to be able to stay at the same intensity week by week all the years that uh, they've been doing it so this uh, one of the most uh, things that i've been impressed
9: yeah i mean I, I mean your career has been impressive too you've been able to come away with the wins against them but I, yeah the longevity Mm-hmm. Of their careers, yeah, of course, your, your career as well, to be able yeah. to sustain that mentality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What what was important for you to be able to do that week in and week out, from your perspective? Uh,
8: I mean, the winnings always helps. That uh, when uh, when you go to tournaments and uh, you feel that you can do uh, a very good result, and I think for sure it helps to stay longer on the tour. It comes more difficult when uh, you have injuries and uh, you don't win matches, and and you don't you feel that uh, you are not uh, on the place that uh, you have to be. But uh, you know, I think, uh, as I said, win and stay fit, and uh, playing at the at the end of your career, less tournaments, but playing like very well is that tournament that I think. uh, Rafa, Roger and Novak they're, they're doing that they're playing like 10 to 12 tournaments a year and uh, of course they they have Grand Slams as a goal and uh, they achieve to you know they, they can play like high level in that, in, in, in that few tournaments and it's very difficult to do that
9: and from when from when you finish playing how do you feel like the game has changed or how do you uh, feel
8: like I think physically people you know uh, improve people now it's bigger and uh, stronger and uh, even you can see tall people that they can move like s- super well like Medvedev or Zverev and, uh, and before we, we didn't have that. You you could s- see players as uh, I don't know, uh, Richard Kreisek or even Isivis that, that they were like super tall but they didn't move as well as people move now and uh, people now I think they play to destroy and not to make a, a construction, the point, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it's like no thinking too much right. about it. Uh, and maybe before we were playing a little bit more on the plan, the tactic, and now it's like boom, boom, boom all the time and it's a bit different.
0: Juan Carlos Ferrero speaking with Jill Krabus. And to hear all of that chat, including much more about his work with Carlos Alcaraz, check out the podcast channel on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon this coming Wednesday. For all of the latest news and results, including a brace of maiden ATP Tour titles, one for another 18-year-old, Denmark's Holger Rune in Munich, and another for Argentine, Sebastian Baez in Estoril, head to atptour.com or you can also get the new ATP WTA Live app, out now in the app store and on google play and come back here to the podcast next week when we'll round up events in madrid and look straight ahead to the next masters in rome i'm seb lozier thanks for listening enjoy the tennis